Hello, everyone. Glad you could join us on the Real People, Real God podcast. We'll spend the next little while getting to know God a little bit better by getting into the Bible and hearing what He has to say to us and through us. Welcome. Well, what I thought we'd talk about this evening um, is, um, uh, especially with what we see going on around us in our world between our, our government and pandemic and all that stuff, um, you know, like we know that God's trying to get some people's attention. He's trying to, you know, hey, look, look, you know. Um, so what I want to talk about is, you know, about spiritual blindness that a lot of people have, whether they're believers or not, and what the b- blindness, yeah, yeah. And and then just kind of, I got I got a handful of scriptures written here, and I thought we'd just kind of go through them and read them and just see what scripture says about it. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe ask some questions, uh, you know, uh, how does Satan blind people? Um, what does judgment have to do with spiritual blindness? That kind of stuff. Um, and just kind of see, because I know we probably all know people that um, can't really see what's going on spiritually, you know. And there, are, like I said, there are a lot of things happening, and and it's easy for us to tune in to the news. It's easy us for to tune into that stuff, which is really not reliable information most of the time. Um, but they're so busy in that that they don't see what what God's doing and and that kind of stuff. And so there's a spiritual blindness going on, going on. So, yeah, yeah, it is, and. And, you know, we look at this, like this pandemic, it's been, what, about a year now? And we we look at this and, you know, there's a couple ways we can see this thing. We can see this thing as, um, you know, well, humanity's in trouble. Or we can look at this and say, God's doing something. So we can... I did. I did say that for a minute. I actually saw something, a Facebook post, one of those yearly things that reminds you that I, I had posted something about that. There's a lot going on, but for some reason, I'm really excited. Yeah, because I know whenever there's something like that going on, God's speaking and God's um, trying to get the attention of people, you know. And he's He's trying to, you know, wake them up or whatever. And, you know, I've also said that who... Who is who are we to say that the next revival might be like Brownsville or the Welsh revival or Sousa Street? Revivals in the Old Testament weren't always pretty. <laughs> so, you know, God's saying a lot, and I think, it, you know, for the, for the church, we need to, to tune in and listen and to hear these things that he is saying. Um, so anyway, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 um, is, is kind of where we'll start with this. Um, now we know you know when we talk about trying to reach uh, people that don't know the Lord yet um, or aren't willing to commit to him you know sometimes we're like in our minds we're like just can't you see can't you see you know and you wish they could see and feel what you do you know, but you can't you can't convey that to them. Um, and there's some other things we learn in our Christian walk is you can't change anybody's mind. You know, uh, people I think naturally are fix-it people. We we want to fix our family, our friends, those we love. We want to fix them, but that doesn't work. And and we've learned that and we found that out. You know, and it really takes it really takes the Holy Spirit. You know, our our role in that is to kind of like set the plate in front of them, you know, but it's up to them to take to, to eat it, you know. Um, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's like that game that you play, you know, you start, you give a phrase and you start passing it, and it changes, you know. And by, We've done that, yeah, and by the time it gets over here, that's nothing about what we said. And people think that way too, you know, and, and I think they have their own filters on. Of, of what they want to hear, you know. Um, so let me read this verse, 2 Corinthians. Uh, let me just start in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Um, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience conscience in the sight of the Lord 
But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. Okay, so this is, this is that blindness of those that don't believe that we're, that we're talking about. Um, and he says, even if our gospel is veiled, you know, covered in some way so that others don't see it, um, it is veiled to those who are dying. So in other words, those that don't understand it, non-believers, are the ones that are perishing. They're dying, you know, uh, essentially. So, um, but the, the reason, he gives the reason, he says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So he's talking about Satan there. So Satan is blinding them. You know, that's what this is saying. Um, who do not believe. Um, so their unbelief, you know, uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like the unbelief is one thing, and then the blinding is something else. It's almost like two separate things there. the The unbelieving is one thing, and the blindness is something else. So, in other words, if the blindness is removed or the veil is removed, then they'll be able to see. But that doesn't mean they believe yet. So they have to make that decision, like we all have, to believe. and And this is where it gets can get discouraging especially for new believers new believers are like you know gung-ho and they want everybody to know hey look what i found you know look at this treasure what i found you know uh, i want you to know jesus and you know but i don't know why you don't understand you know and it get, can get discouraging but as we said you know it's you can't convince somebody of something especially if this has been their 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 train of thought for many years it's really hard to you know and so we have to understand that that is not our calling to to change them or to fix them. Our calling is to pre- present the gospel. Um, in other words, f- as far as us, remove the veil and tell them the gospel. Um, but even if they can see, they have to believe. Even if the Holy Spirit does, which he is with our word. So if we start sharing this gospel, the Holy Spirit is there working in that person but that doesn't mean that person is going to believe so that's that part is on them you know so it's kind of there's a couple of things involved in there that are beyond our capabilities they're beyond our understanding you know um a lot of people maybe maybe us a lot of people that we know that are christian now um you know long ago there was times where they did they probably didn't want to hear it didn't want to hear about it um if they did they didn't understand it didn't want to waste time with it or whatever um, and a lot of times it takes some big event, maybe even negative or tragedy or something like that, for, for people to realize, oh, wait a minute, you know. I, was, I said this earlier to somebody else that um, when people are faced with their own mortality, or they, <laughs> it gets their attention. Yeah. They start asking questions. Everybody wants to know what happens next. Uh, me sharing a story, but, but their son um, was... Uh, was in drugs for a long time and he's he's grown up now but um and uh it took a lot of prayer a l- um i don't know if he's a christian um not sure about that part of it but uh he has completely turned around he's he's living away from here on his own he's got his home now he's got a job and he's got a business on the side and you know he's I mean, he wouldn't even communicate with them. They lived in the same house. He wouldn't even talk to them. Um, And he hit rock bottom multiple times. And then finally, one day he said, you know, uh, take me to a methadone clinic. You know, and they did. And he started the the methadone treatments. I think it was every week. And uh, after a while, he started getting them to lower the doses on his own. He decided this. Lower the doses, lower doses. And finally, one day he said, I don't need to go back. And and so I know you're talking about prayer. You know that. Oh my gosh, is such an important part of that whole deal. Um, I mean, I know they were praying. People in the church were praying. Everybody was praying. His family. Uh, and you know, I don't know where his faith is because I, I haven't heard. But um, just a remarkable turnaround. Even just to, you know getting off the drugs and all that stuff. Just yeah, it really is incredible. Um, he talks to him he calls him now and just completely different person you know so maybe this is maybe he's just in the process you know because he knows what the bottom's like you know because he reached it a couple times and and well he's obviously not offended by his parents anymore 
No, no, it completely changed. Yeah, remarkable. Um, but uh, but but that's you know where people, you know, sometimes people will will come to the Lord without going into having to be in one of those situations. Sometimes they'll just look at their life and say, you know what, that's the right thing to do. I need to I need to go in that direction. But unfortunately, many aren't like that. Many do have to go through difficult times. And, but when I know something happens in people when they, when they have to face their own mortality or somebody they know. And that's what this, one of those things that this sickness, this, this virus is doing. It's making people think. Uh, the vaccine's making people think. The, everything's making people think. Um, and I think this is where, you know, I said a, a couple of weeks ago, one of the visions I had from this, this COVID thing when it started was that, um, you know, God was putting all these people in a corral over here and they had on their heads, they had fear written, you know, and because of the unknown, because of this virus, because of all that. And I felt like God saying, okay, church in general, you know, you haven't really been doing what I've called you to do as much as you should. So what I've done, if you're having problems finding the people, if you're having from, uh, problems communicating with them, what I've done is I put them all over here and I labeled them fear. Now go get them or now go minister to them or encourage them or whatever. And that's kind of what I saw in the beginning and I'm still, still holding on to that because that's, that's so true. So many people were scared and afraid and all that. Um, they could be, a lot of them could be in one of these situations where they're, they're facing their immortality. And, and what better time, you know, like this guy was, was down, he was injured or whatever. What better time to, you know, try to minister to somebody? Where do I go? How do I? Yeah. Yeah. And God's saying, um, they're all, they're all labeled fear. <laughs> you can find them easy. <laughs> Also, we also have to put Christians in that category, too, because there's many of them that are afraid and uncertain. And uh, But that's, as the body of Christ, that's where we need to right now be tuned in to those folks and to, to be able to offer some sort of encouragement to them, some, some sort of, you know, prayer or whatever. Um, because right now, and this, this is the crazy part about what's going on, is, you know, we have people that are afraid of the sickness of the pandemic and, and in a worldly worldly uh, perspective most certainly I agree from a worldly perspective um, and they're afraid you know so we can go and minister to them um, but at the same time we have all this other stuff going on in our society our political climate and all these other crazy things happening you know and so that's something else um, that we have to keep in mind too is there's people that are uncertain on that side as well you know, and um, uh, some are believing everything they see, you know, you know, so there's these couple things going on. And I think for the body of Christ, you know, we're, we're supposed to be out there right now tuned into these people that are afraid and, you know, and be able to respond to them, you know, and um, but that's what the, the Lord showed me uh, last year. Well, one of the many things about this whole COVID thing. Um, and I just wonder how many people really are. Uh, going to either either already or going to experience a revival in their lives because of all this, you know, like like that gentleman did, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but this, you know, and that's why I say that the the revival may not be what everybody, at least a lot of people, thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, it it might come through difficult times. Uh, we saw an insurgence, uh, of course, this was long ago before I was pastor, but uh, on 9-11, on there was a, a you know, resurgence of people coming to the church you know, during that time because that was a huge catastrophic thing, and, and it scared a lot of people. And there were a lot of people going to churches, and churches were, you know, and attendance was increasing for, for a while, for several years. Um, and it takes that kind of stuff sometimes. You know? And I think God wants people to come into the kingdom of God I mean, he, he just, that's his heart. He wants that to happen so bad that, you know, I don't think he does these things, but I think he allows them to take place because he's got people he wants to come into the kingdom. And, and the other thing, too, uh, that, that I've learned uh, through ministry is that just because a person has been a believer the majority of their lives um, doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to encounter a situation that causes them to fear. Um, I had a, um, a couple that were going here some time ago. They don't come here anymore, but it was back when uh, 
Jonathan Kahn had written one of his books, um, and he uh, was about the Smitta, I believe is what it's called. The Smitta, it's a Jewish thing. Um, and it, it revolved around, um, well, just, just say a, a financial collapse or something, and it was supposed to be around the month of September. Now, he didn't give a date, but people said he did. But in, I read the book, and he didn't give a date. But anyway, so people were believing that September, you know, the stock market was going to crash, and it was... You know, and I had some of the, a couple folks that have been Christians a long time and, and all that that um, called me or one of them and, and invited me over to their house and, and they were almost crying in fear and they were asking me, what do I do with my money? Where, where do I, I'm not a financial advisor, don't ask me, you know, but they were so afraid of, of what, we didn't even, nobody knew if it was going to happen. He didn't say it was going to happen. He just said that the, everything's lined up that it, that it could possibly. And, uh, but what I'm saying is, is that fear gripped these people to the point where they were almost crying, you know. And um, so though, even, as, even when our Christ, there's Christians out there too that um, just, you know, they, they might be on, uh, you know, they might be fearful of these things. So we have to look for that and try to encourage them and say, look, you, you know, don't, don't put your faith in that. You know, that's, you know, um, be wise with your money, but, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. <laughs> I could tell you what to do with your money, but just put your faith and your trust, you know, in the Lord, you know, and, and uh, so those times, especially with, uh, you know, facing our immortality, that's when it get, really gets people attention. Hello, Darla. Um, <clears throat> um, so uh, even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled only to those who are perishing uh, in their case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel now that's the ESV version of what I just read I read in the New King James um, it, says pretty, it, it's, it says it the, pretty much the same way but um, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So Satan is trying to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. He, he's blinding them. So even if we communicate the gospel to somebody, um, you know, Satan tries to blind them from seeing what it is that we're communicating. You know, and this is where I've said, uh, through my experience over the years, where I've said one of the greatest and most powerful ministries that we can do, I believe, is one-on-one. You know, um, you know, we see powerful things from pulpits. You know, look at Billy Graham and, and, and all those, Reinhard Bonnke and all these people, and that's a wonderful thing. But that's only a drop in the bucket uh, when, we, when we think about humanity and when we think about the number of people that have been and that will be. The most powerful ministry for the church, I believe, is going to be the individual ministry, and for a couple reasons. One, huh? It, it's it, it's going to be the most powerful ministry uh, uh, for the church, the body of Christ, to reach people at an individual level. And the reason, one of the reasons, is for that. Of course, if the church is doing what it's supposed to do, we can reach that many more people. But uh, additionally, um, there's something in the one-on-one or like the one-on-two or whatever that you won't find from a pulpit or from a teaching or you know whatever those have their place but what you won't find is the ability for people to trust in somebody else that won't exist unless it's at a personal level and maybe you've encountered this but I know uh, years ago when we had the skate park here and had a bunch of kids running around and all that stuff and we ministered to those kids on a weekly basis and many of them. I remember one, and this, I was still new to this ministry, and I remember one of them, he was 16, 15 years old at the time, and he said, um, he says, you know, I got everything I need. You know, I, I, he, he wasn't even living with his family. He was living with some other person because they kind of neglected him or whatever. But he says, I have a place to live. He says, I have a job. Um, I'm going to school. He says, I have my skateboard. You know, that's all I need in life. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a perfect description of the mentality of a lot of humanity. I have all I need. I don't need anything else. So they don't recognize there's a greater need in their life, you know, like I said, until they face one of those issues. Um, and 
so you know with all these skate park kids and all this uh running around you know they they were in a place in their life where they're having the time of their life you know they're not considering anything else they're not considering their life or their death or or anything god or jesus or anything but what i what we did learn is it took probably a a good year of this ministry before those kids because i was a new pastor here at the time and it took about a year for those kids to really start trusting me you know to the point where they would listen to me and that really spoke volumes to me because people are like that and kids especially but adults are like that too you've got to trust somebody you know before you really start buying into anything that they say they have they have they've seen so many so many people have let them down so many people have hurt them that you know they they don't always want to listen but if you spend time with somebody and and you're sincere about that people will pick on that, pick up on that in time and then they they will start to listen to you so that's why this one-on-one ministry is so powerful you know and that's why i'm trying to get people to encourage them to to reach out to some people that maybe you don't normally reach out to and just encourage and you know because a lot of times that can open some conversation that can open some thought that can open some you know some communication that might very well be needed whether they're christian or not if they're christian maybe they maybe they need some encouragement um but the point is to stay on track here the point is is that um it's 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 in the enemy the enemy is blinding people you know and um he tries to keep them from seeing the light so what are some of the ways that he tries to keep people from seeing the light and also too and i and i hate to say this was so true but there are christians that are in that same in that same and and they also allow that influence out there to to you know shape the way they think uh yeah yeah it is it is big in a lot of places witchcraft and and uh in in my few experiences we witnessed some of that and and what you say though and this is one thing that that i learned from from some of these mission trips was um and that was baffling to me at first here in america the gospels preached a lot and even when it's not preached people hear about jesus they hear about god they at, at least know who it is um yeah and but yet many of them don't come to know him or aren't you know now you go to another country like the ones i've been in have been third world countries you go to these countries um and you and we did a lot of street preaching you go on the on the street and preach especially to uh young adults um and kids and uh man you tell them about hope or you you tell them about jesus and that somebody loves them man they just gobble that up i mean they're on their knees instantly and i mean this is a different thing gang members brought us their weapons and their drugs and laid them down before us and 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 you know and you look at all that and you come to america and you're like what is wrong with you you know but what one thing that that came to me many years ago was that you know we're we're a free country and because of you know being a free country we have access to so many things you know whether it be legal or illegal we have access to a lot of things we can go get a job at mcdonald's and we can make money you know um we have food and if we don't we can go find it easily you know over there in a lot of those countries that's not the case you know and so they live daily you know in in hardship now a lot of them don't know the difference um some do some don't um but here in america you know the the sky's the limit so much so that what you seek in america can easily become your god and you don't want to let go of it and in those countries you know they don't have that they there's they can't have everything they want they can't go after everything they want matter of fact most of what they want they can't most of what they need they can't get um and so therefore when you come with a gospel message you know and you tell them about hope and and all this man they just they eat that up because they've never heard that before they've never heard that somebody loves them no matter what they've never you know and um and then there are those that will tell you about 
the the evil, the demonic spirits. The you know some of the villages they have uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. I know some call it witch doctors or whatever. They have different names, but they have one. That's where people go when they're sick, and that's where and there's spells and there's you know and and it's and it's common knowledge in those places. You know, so you come with this gospel message, and they they hear it. You know, and here in America, you're like, why don't you listen? You know, but um, but as as the scripture tells us in Second Corinthians, the enemy has that that blind over them. You know, and they can't see that light. But does that mean that we give up on that? You know, so we've got, and, and this is what we talked about already. We got, we have um, something there for them. First is is to to give them that message the second is is prayer and i think you know as we talked about and i told him a little bit uh darla about uh becky and galen's son and you know and and how his life is is in the process has turned around and is still turning around um but you know we can share the message um we can encourage them but also we can pray for them and and i think you know maybe Maybe for a lot of believers as the, as the body of Christ, we don't do enough of that. Maybe, I mean, because all the breakthroughs that we've seen through prayer, we know it works, you know, but you have to be faithful in it and, and do it. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, add those things together, you know, and the Lord can do a lot through that. Now, and this is something we have to keep in mind. He's not going to change their mind. He can't and he won't. Um, but... He could certainly change their circumstance to where people are put in front of them, you know, um, like, you know, maybe you and it'd be somebody else the guy talks to or, you know, and every corner they turn, there's there's Jesus in some way and they've realized uh, he's pursuing me. I can't get away from him. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes that's what I pray for people is, you know, yeah. God help remove the obstacles and place godly people in their lives. So maybe they'll hear it from somebody else, you know. Um, so those are definitely uh, good prayers. First uh, um, Corinthians chapter two, book over. I'm recording this the audio on this too, so I can put it on a future podcast. First uh, Corinthians chapter two. Yep, First Corinthians two. Uh, let me see. Uh, let's start in verse uh, 9. Uh, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows that the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So this is kind of really what we're talking about. But back up to verse 9, this is uh, pretty neat here, and this is a quote from Isaiah. But I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's the state of a non-believer right there. That's the state of a non-believer. They uh, have not seen nor have they heard nor has entered into their heart um, the things that God has prepared for those who love for them. So when they come to that realization that God has indeed offered and, and, and promised them and offered things for them, when those things enter that individual's heart or their mind, um, then they be- begin that transition into, okay, I need to know more about this God. <laughs> you know, So that's pretty interesting that that was way back in Isaiah that this was said, but it's so true to, to, uh, even today. Um, so it's not entered into their heart yet. 
You know, it's not the things which God has prepared for them. Their hearts still or their minds still focus on what man is doing or what, what the world is doing, what society is doing or whatever. The things of God haven't yet entered into them. And it tells us on down, you know, talks more about that. Um, his spirit reveals things to us, you know, for as far as us being as believers. Um, he reveals things to us. He is our teacher. He searches all things and he searches the deep things of God because he is God. Um, and so the spirit is, is, is the one that is relating us to God and to sh- teaching us and showing us um, uh, many things, mainly things revolving around uh, salvation and Jesus, um, but the Holy Spirit, you know, empowering us and all those things. Um, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So if we want to know God, then it's the Spirit of God that's going to be the one that's going to that's teach us and going to show us. Um, and this is the same Spirit we can, uh, that we receive, and this is what he's saying there. Um, and uh, but uh, in verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are a foolishness to him. And, and that's exactly what we see in the world when we're trying to talk to somebody about the Lord, and maybe in our own lives, and they're you know, looking at us with this blank look um, and giving us a whole lot of reasons why you know, we're silly or that doesn't make sense to them or whatever. So everybody is, and, and I dealt with this when I was taking some religion courses in college. Um, I just thought it would be interesting and in, uh, to take religion courses. And of course, it's not a Christianity course. It's a religion course. Yeah. And so, uh, which I thought was neat, learning about these different religions, trying to see where, where, where people's minds are. How do they, you know, believe, believe this and what are they... Um, and it was real neat. I mean, I got my fingers smacked a couple times because, I, you know, you're supposed to take these classes unbiased, and I just, you know, can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. Um, but anyway, I survived them. Um, but, uh, you know, that was what was so intriguing to me was um, we had to <laughs> try to do those classes without the filter of Christianity, which, you know, I, I really couldn't do. I, I tried, honestly, try, but I just can't. Um, and the thing was, is, you know, you can't do that. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you can't undo that, you know, and, and think of it from a, an unbiased standpoint when you're looking at all these other religions. You just can't. I know that's a, that's a, that's the thing. I mean, you you can't do that. And at the same time, people that don't have the spirit of God don't understand your perspective. And so how are you supposed to write on things? Now, I had a field day when we when we started studying Christianity. You know, that was fun. Still got my fingers smacked because people don't um you know, I I was in a different place than they were. So they're not going to understand what I'm saying, and, and I can't write what they're thinking, you know, because I don't think that way anymore. I've been Christian long enough. I just, even if I try to undo things in my mind, at least for the sake of writing a paper, I can't do it. It's one of the most remarkable things that, that happens in this transformation in becoming a Christian. It's really uh, supernatural what happens, and, and, and for most of us, that that begins to happen in an instant when we come to know Jesus. It's like this transformation and, and the, the mind that we had before. Um, there are some things that linger on, but the understanding that we had before uh, is instantly changed into something new. You know? And that's without reading a lot of Scripture. We're too young to get We haven't done that yet. Uh, and our mind's already changed. So that is just such a miracle, such an astounding, awesome miracle in people's lives. Because at that point, that's when they see that light now. And that's when they want to start knowing more and more and more. And uh, hopefully that continues that way. So it, it is just amazing. And we've seen people, we've all known people that didn't know the Lord. And then they've come to that place where they did. And then their minds begin to change. Some of the, they began to speak in a little Christianese, which is astounding to me because if they didn't hear it before, now they speak, now they're talking about things from a biblical perspective. So it's such an amazing thing. Um, But that transformation, you know, is the work of the Holy Spirit and it's the surrender of the individual. It takes those two things. Yeah, that's, that's right. 
that's right um so you know this um it's foolish foolishness to them um um it, things are spiritually discerned you know and and that's where it takes the holy spirit and and understanding to to see things differently so and and i know we said this earlier but as we are talking to those folks that that don't necessarily believe or haven't committed their lives to Christ. We have to keep that in mind that what way we see things, they're not going to see it the same way, you know. And also, we can't necessarily revert back to the way we were for the sake of that person. We wouldn't want to do that anyway. But but to try to communicate. So that leaves us with the question how how do we do that you know and i know we've talked about you know being one-on-one we talk about the encouraging and all that um here's the other thing we have to keep in mind this foolishness that that's talking about in in first corinthians uh also has a lot to do with people are seeing things only in the physical and not spirit not always but usually only from a physical standpoint same way they were looking when jesus came to earth they were looking for physical salvation you know Roman rule, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so people are the same way. And not only non-believers, some Christians also. You know, it's it's just the physical, the more, you know, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about that, but, but they don't have this mind that, you know, there's a spiritual realm that's working, you know, and things are happening all the time. And uh, so they don't they don't really get that. So everything's physical. I need physical relief from this and physical relief from that. So much so that that's more the, of their focus than than their spiritual well being. Um, and so that happens a lot. So as we're as we're talking to people about the Lord, that's one of the things that we come up against. Is you could be, and this is what I was saying earlier. You know, I can uh, I can be talking to somebody and for a long period of time, um, and you know maybe the next day or something they say well you know you you said this and you said that and i thought that was pretty neat and i'm thinking no i didn't say that <laughs> but they heard that yeah. so now we look at two things now was that a supernatural thing the holy spirit was helping them to hear something that they needed to hear or are they listening to something through their own filter and often that is what happens um because i know and it happens all the time i know i didn't say that you know, I definitely didn't say that. Um, but that's what they heard, you know. And so a lot of times that has so much to do with that's what they wanted to hear, right. you know. Um, and and just because somebody, a pre- preacher or somebody could say it, now it validates it to them, you know, because, hey, the preacher said that. Well, no, the preacher didn't say that, but you heard that. Um, because everybody wants their world to be perfect, everybody wants and and why don't we we all do but uh sometimes that goes before the the spiritual the heart state of an individual they put all those things first and um and we know that jesus works from the inside out you know and the change has to happen here you can't just wish change out there and expect change to happen in here so much it's the other way around and so everybody's wishing and wanting things to be to to be good, and you know I want God to work for me and and make make this good and that good. So they don't know what we know, and so we have to be able to find a way, you know, to 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 reach them. And so essentially, it's almost like they speak one language and we speak another, but we've got to find a language that we both understand, and that's a way to think when it comes to witnessing or, or, or sharing with somebody else is you speak one language they speak another we have to find a common ground and the common ground um, there's a couple common grounds one of them could be um, just uh, uh, listening just being there for somebody that can be a common ground um, what's that Experience yeah it being together um, you know those types of things or um, it's amazing what happens when somebody's in a tough situation, how, how much they would be willing to listen to what you have to say, you know, when they're in a tough, tough spot. Um, so those are the things that I think as believers that we have to be open to, looking for and listening for. Um, you know, especially if our loved ones, they're hurting. We know that, you know, they're living in a place that's not um, not fruitful for, for them or the kingdom of God. And so we have a compassion for them. So we do want to try to reach them. 
you know, and we just have to understand, and that's what this scripture has really shown us, is we have to understand that it's, you know, the Bible calls it, they, they see it as foolish, but um, it's probably, you know, more to that, more of that to them, more than just foolishness to them, um, because they don't see what we see, and they speak one language, we speak another. We have to find the common ground without compromising yeah. the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what Pastor Chris was saying when she was uh, 16 or whatever, when she got saved or something like that. And she says, um, you know, nobody told me it was going to be this hard. Nobody told me it was going to be this difficult, <laughs> you know. But, it, yeah, and, and see, that's the mindset that some people have. You know, um, maybe because there's some Christians that try to look perfect. I don't know. But, <laughs> and... And there is always, and this is early in my rededication to the Lord years ago, uh, that the Lord showed me this. You know, I kept saying, Lord, I, I want, you know, I, I want to be a powerful man of God. I want to change lives. And, and I think probably a lot of young Christians yeah. have that same <laughs> prayer. And, you know, I wanted to do all these things. And I was watching all these evangelists and stuff on TV. You know, and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. That would be, you know, and... Uh, and I remember where I was working at the time, you know, um, I was by myself a lot on my job and I would just pray, you know, and, and I, God, I, you know, I really want to, I really want to do that. And I prayed, for, prayed and prayed. And uh, the Lord one time, and this is one of the few times I've ever heard God speak audibly to me, like another voice. This is one of the few. And, and I just prayed and prayed and I read the Bible when I was on that job because I had some downtime and all that. But, uh, and he gave me one word one day, one word. And he said, price. And I could have swore somebody was standing beside me. That's how audible it was. And uh, I said, and it took me a minute to realize it was him speaking, really, because I'm like, okay, there's nobody else up here. I'm 70 foot in the air. I'm running this crane. There ain't nobody else here. I hope. So, but anyway, uh, so I, I started on that. I started praying about that. Okay, now what's that mean? <laughs> what's price mean? So I started looking up. Man, I had my concordance out, and I was looking up the word price, and I was going through Scripture and trying, you know, and all this. And then um, weeks, a couple, several weeks later, one of the people, preachers I was listening to, um, uh, he had a similar experience um, where God was telling him about price. And I listened to him, and when he said, he says, there's a price to pay, you know, for what God's called you to do. And then it started making sense. And there's a difference between a price to pay for salvation. We don't have to pay that price. That one's already paid. But we do have to pay the price, you know, often to, to be who God's called us to be. And that price is a price of surrender. We're not purchasing that. But it is the price of surrender, and surrender does indeed have a price because there's things that we have to let go of, and there's things that need to to leave us, and those are the that's the price. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing, and. And I, I had went through since that time a number of different things from, from a depression to, you know, also physical issues and uh, just different things that, you know, um, that were not normal for me to have to go through, you know. But I knew all along, um, especially after the first incident, that this is spiritual. This is spiritual. And I have to stay on track, you know. And and uh so i did but but that's but that's the thing is this is this price that we pay and it's different you know and that's what, kind of what darla was saying it's different for each person you know it's the, there's no set set way um but if we truly want to seek the lord and we truly want to live in in what he has called us to do and who he's called us to be um that's where that commitment is we have to be willing to push through that to the other side you know and uh that is where a lot of believers especially young believers drop out kind of because it's hard you know it's not easy and that's that's an important part is that is that trust you know it really is because people 
yeah people want to trust you um we just this i'll give you this short story about me um but my wife and i were uh we had visited a lot of churches a lot of different churches uh, we wanted our kids to be in church we wanted to be in church but trying to find a good place um and we went to different churches you know we went to one for a year or so and tried to get involved a little bit um took some mission trips out of some different things and but all in all you know they really weren't where we felt we were supposed to be i went to this church as a as a teenager for a while my parents went here and that was three pastors prior before me and um it was a little old little old school pentecostal um which there's nothing wrong with it just wasn't for me (laughs) and betha was raised catholic so you know that was a totally different deal so uh so yeah so uh we we went to a church and i don't even remember which one it was now and after that we were kind of discouraged because we were seeing some of what you're talking about it's a nice show it's a nice church and there are some people there that are really nice and all that but the whole operation it that's what it felt like it felt like an operation you know it felt like you were going into a you know and it just wasn't really doing what doing anything for us and so we were kind of discouraged and um about ready to we felt like giving up we wouldn't have but because at least for the kids but we felt like we <laughs> wanted to give up and then uh i said well let's go back to valley view you know, let's try that because we knew it had been several pastors later. My parents weren't going here at that time. Um, so maybe it's completely changed. You know, it's close to home. Let's go to Valley View. And so we did. And uh, we came in and uh, the, there was one gentleman um, that greeted us like he'd known us forever. And uh, a couple other people, you know, were real nice and all that. And we sat in and the, and the pastor, which is still a good friend of mine, the pastor here at the time um was just real down to earth you know he really was and uh so we went home that day after church and normally in the car you know we're dissecting the (laughs) you know but we didn't this time and we got home and we were milling around the kitchen and neither one of us said anything and then then suddenly one i don't remember who one of us said something well what'd you think and and she had one bad experience here when I was right after we were married. Well, actually, right after my son was born. He was still not walking. And uh, we came here because there was um, a preacher and his wife from South Africa, evangelist or whatever. And we came here one night, and uh, um, this at the end they you know the guy was and his wife were praying for people you know laying hands on him and praying for him and so um the organ player which was anita's husband uh, anita's sister um she walked back there and we were sitting in the back and had pews then sitting in the back and she said uh, why don't you go up and, and get some of that i'll hold the baby and then betha you know Betha's pre-catholic but you know she was catholic before and she's like uh no you're not holding my baby i'm holding my baby and of course she was scared to death of any way of of praying for people and all this was all new to her you know and so i like yeah I'm, I'm gonna go up you know and i and i went up and got prayed for and then there was one other time i talked her into coming and uh, uh he's still an evangelist his day his name's chad mcdonald the very first message he ever preached was in this church right out of bible school and he's very energetic, 100% Pentecostal. And he he was up in the pews, walking back and forth, standing in the pews, preaching, well, and yelling and screaming, and that just scared her to death. So she didn't have real good experiences here, you know. And uh, yeah, thank God she did. Um, but uh, but anyway, we did we did come back the next Sunday and and you know we stayed and we were here uh, a year before um the district asked us if we would you know wanted to become pastors because the pastor was going somewhere else um but right away when god you know called us to be the leaders of the church right away you know that that saying came right to our minds because that's exactly what we felt here and you know as long as we've been here it's never changed it's like real people the the people were real 
And that's what we were longing for, and we just didn't know it, you know. Um, those churches had their own place. They were doing their own things. But for us, it just didn't feel like the people were real. They were like cattle ushered, you know, <laughs> in so the other service could come in and just different things. And anyway, so that's what really sold us on coming to this church was the people were real, and they still are. And, um, um, you know, even after, you know, John left and he's doing his other thing, pastoring or whatever he's doing somewhere else, um, but we've always felt that here, that it's real. Because if you can't, if you can't be real, you know, then, then you're living a lie. You know? And that's what this is really about. No one has arrived yet. We're all in progress, process. We're all growing. And God intended for us all to grow together you know, each body to grow together. And uh, you can't honestly do that if you're trying to look like some, somebody you're not. All the rest of us... Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. Uh, the leaders here, including myself, we're all introverts to a point. And, and Darla's not at all. And so she's the balance <laughs> for us that are. The last point I wanted to, to make on this last scripture was, you know, it talks about the natural person does not accept the things of, of, of the Spirit. And um, so what that's telling me, you know, a lot of time I'm a type of person that has to know how something works, so I always have to read between the lines and figure out how it works, uh, what's, the, what's the mechanics of it. And so if a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, and as believers that have the Spirit of God and we're trying to connect with them, then, you know, we have to obviously understand and know that, you know, it's the natural person, natural man that we're communicating with, you know. Not, like I said, not that we can revert back to what it's like to live as a natural man, but, you know, I mean, there's some characteristics, you know, that we can remember and recall. But here's the thing, when we're talking about people getting to a low point in their lives. So, in order to hear the Spirit of God, then that must mean the natural man must decrease so the spiritual man can increase. And John the Baptist, right, said that. And so that's so true with everybody, you know. Everybody's in natural mode, natural man mode. They don't know the Lord, especially, and some Christians are in natural person mode. That's, that's our default. That's what we do. And so when they go through difficult times, whether it be a pandemic or face their own mortality or whatever it is, um, the natural man starts to decrease because they realize it can't fix them. You know, it can't solve their problem. It can't answer their questions. It can't do what they need it to do. And so, you know, I think of uh, Joseph when his brothers threw him in the pit. You know, he couldn't get out. There was nothing he could do. He was at the mercy of whatever had happened. And, and those places is where we find people find surrender or most likely to find surrender because they realize the natural man can no longer help them what they've been accustomed to for so long, it can no longer help them. And when you take away the natural man, all that's left is the spiritual man. And so these are the opportunities, like I said, those that have fear written across the top of their foreheads through the pandemic, or those that are scared through our political climate or, or, or whatever it is, you know, this is as, as Christians, if we see that, that's where we respond because these people could be getting to this place where the natural man whether it's themselves or the society they depend on is not answering their questions or not bringing the salvation they need and so this is a perfect opportunity to at least plant the seed or, or communicate and share with them because that natural man is decreasing you know and fortunately but unfortunately that's what satan's good at is destroying people that's a bad thing but it can also be a good thing, in a sense, if the body of Christ is there to, to be able to speak into their lives. Because their natural man is getting beat down and beat down and beat down, you know, to the point where, okay, now all that's left is the spirit of man, you know. They can't trust their own flesh. They can't trust anybody else's flesh. So here's the spirit. And so that's where, um, and that's, see, that's also with the, the political climate, you know. We know now, we've known before, but we really know now we can't trust the media. 
Everybody knows that now. You can't. You can't trust any of them. You don't know what's true and what's not. You can't trust, uh, we've known this for ages, you can't trust most politicians and what they say. If they say it now, it may not happen later or they'll change it later or whatever. So these are all things that are, you know, we look at it and how bad this is. And, and it, it is bad in a sense. But then again, um, what if God's allowing a lot of this stuff to, so man can stop depending on man? And, and turn and look for where can we go we can't trust this we can't trust you know um, the, the politicians we can't trust the doctors and the, the, the leading doctors for this you know vaccine or virus or whatever um, where can we go so it could very well be that that there again this is a wake up call these types of things where you know God's trying to get people to the point where they, they realize they cannot trust in man they have to turn somewhere else and I know God has placed the church in the, the place that he has it just so we can be those ministers to those people. And so I think that's what we have to be looking for. Because, you know, we know that God's not going to break through somebody's will. We know that. He's not going to, you know, it's up to us to make those choices. It's up to those people to make those choices. Um, you know, we have to be the light, but even at that rate, they don't have to, they don't have to choose to believe or choose to follow. Um, but if the natural man is being broken down and beat down, you know, then the spirit is more susceptible to listening and to being changed and converted. So I think that's where the church, where we need to be. But, uh, but we, we have to realize that we're not talking in the same language. You know, this is different. This is different. We have to recognize that and realize that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, as Christians, we, we have to realize that we're all still walking we're still journeying you know and and you know uh, like but i think whatever you're healing from you know is going to be you know whatever it is is caused to hurt and then so you know that hurt you do often have to come to terms with it in other words it you face it you know uh, yeah um to to heal from it you know and and a lot of times it has a lot to do with forgiveness whether it's forgiving somebody else, forgiving yourself, forgiving God, or if you've blamed him, you know. So, um, so those things will, will cause those thoughts and memories in that past to resurface. But it, it, it's part of the healing process, you know, when God tells you, you know, okay, you're no longer to blame. You're forgiven if it was you or if somebody did something to you. It makes a huge difference. And then once you're free and clear of that thing, of that hurt, it still might be a memory, but it has, does not have the sting it did before because it doesn't define who you are. You know, and that's what hurt does. It, it, we allow it as humans to define who we were or who we are now. And that's where it really causes a lot of problems in our lives because it, helps, it keeps us from, uh, it makes us think less of ourselves than we really are, especially in God's eyes. You know, um, and it, it labels us in our own minds and tags us. This is who I am. I'm just this person or I, you know, I'm just known to do that, you know, and we accept that as who we are. But that's not when you come when you become a Christian, God makes you a new creation in, in him, a new creature in him, because he has forgotten those things as far as judging you for them. They're they're gone. They still might be memories, but they don't define you. They don't. God's not going to judge you for them now because they're they're He's forgiven you for them, and and so the problem for a lot of us is is we have to accept that. That's the hard part. Okay, God will forgive me for this thing, or God will forgive that person who did something to me, but I don't know if I can. You know, that sometimes is where it gets hard. But I, but I know that, you know, when, when people do face those hurts and, and for the sake of healing, um, that they do receive that healing and that freedom from that, you know, and then that no longer has the hold on you that it did like it did before. You know, there's, there's a freedom in it. And it, it does. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's true. And, you know, no matter how hard it was, it was always worth it. And, and uh, you know, some of the, you know, uh, 
evangelists and preachers and powerful people of God over the last couple hundred years. Um, you know, at one point I was reading through some of their lives and just seeing, you know, it's just interesting to me and the, and the messages that they preached. But, you know, I don't know of any of them that didn't have some difficult price, whether it be sickness or death in the family or something really, really, you know, they all did, you know. and. Yeah, and right, but and then uh, if it's the same one I'm thinking about, uh, actually, um, some of the uh, modern preacher, a couple modern preachers now followed him and became powerful men of God. You know, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they actually called him a drunk. If it's the same one I'm thinking about, yeah, we do, we do, um, but we have a goal we have a focus and we keep pushing towards that you know and and we have to be hard-headed in a sense and by that i mean we just have to keep pushing on you know don't grow weary and well-doing we have to keep pushing on and and uh, it's hard it's easy to give up you know but when you give up so this this last scripture kind of just brings it all around in psalm 146 8 says the lord opens the eyes of the blind the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. That's, that second part there is exactly what we've been talking about. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. That's that surrender. That's that, maybe it's the bottom of the barrel, wherever you are, but that's that surrender. And when somebody does bow down, he lifts them up, and that's when that transformation begins to happen. Because then they realize, okay, this is, you know, this is who I was, this is who he is, you know, and, and that's when you, uh, the Holy Spirit shows you your sin, that's when, you know, you're like, oh, I got to do something about this, you know, and that's where he begins to show you Jesus, so I just thought that was really neat. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind, so that individual that we're trying to reach, you know, it's up to the Lord to do that, like we said, we don't, we can't do that, however, our part is to encourage us to be there, all those things that we were talking about, uh, and to talk to them and all that, but the Lord opens eyes of the blind, and he lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. In other words, he wants to see them in righteousness just like we are through Jesus. But in order to get there, they have to bow down. They have to surrender themselves, surrender their natural man, you know, and then they can receive from the Lord at that point. And that's how this whole process works. You know, so, you know, all those... Um, witnessing classes and all that you know and a lot of churches have them and, and that's fine whatever um, I know when I was in, a kid in one of the churches I was going to in Sunday school that was one of the things or children's church we had to go knock on doors and uh, give people brochures about Jesus and all that that was the most discouraging thing I've ever done in my life <laughs> we learned new words um, we <laughs> <laughs> we had doors shut hard, and, and most people were nice. Most people were very pleasant, just took it, and whatever. Um, but that just, and, and hearing about the word witnessing all the time, you know, as I was growing up from in church and stuff, you know, it just, it, it, it does. And it, and it just was like, oh, man, I don't know. But as I grew older and the Lord began to show me, you know, how, how we do this, you know, um, then it was like, okay, this is completely different. You know, this is, and we have to, uh, we have to frog. We have to fully rely on God. We have to, you know, as we're speaking to these people that we know about, uh, you know, about the Lord or, or encouraging them, whatever, while we're doing it, we have to realize that the Holy Spirit's there with us, you know, and he's going to be engaging that individual too, probably more so when we're not around. And, you know, that, you know, even though that person may not want to hear us at the moment, and don't get discouraged because, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit does. Um, and, you know, God, uh, at some point when that person begins to surrender, wherever they are in their life, he'll, he'll open their eyes and, and you know, they'll, they'll see what we see. Yeah, because if he hears you, the frustration in you, that's going to feed his frustration. But yet, if you're just like, you know calm and and positive and that kind of thing and don't get oh i pray that yep 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 actually take you a step further you have the authority to tell the enemy to stop 
to tell you know hey stop hands off of his life right now you know um because often that might be just enough you know if that person can get just enough leeway from the you know from the oppression and whatever's going on just enough break maybe they can actually hear yeah yeah definitely that's a good prayer to pray yeah well i mean for him it's like i said just keep keep talking keep encouraging no matter how negative he is don't try to fight every argument that he has because people that are in a situation that's what they do um they'll have a some argument or whatever with just about every positive thing you try to say it's just a natural thing um and i wouldn't fight those things i would just be encouraging and be uplifting and joy i i've learned this and you said that that's funny because it's it seems that the very personality that you have a problem with god will put in your life because he wants to work something in you (laughs) and (laughs) and that is so true and i think he's up there laughing him and angels are sitting around eating a bag of popcorn just laughing about them well let me pray and then uh, we'll get out of here god we just thank you so much for this time lord i thank you for each one of these ladies lord and and uh and how you minister to them and show them things lord and god just uh, continue uh to work in us and through us lord god father help us to be able to reach those that that need to be reached lord and let your spirit speak into our lives give us the words to say when we need to say them lord and please lord remove those obstacles out of their lives so that they might at least for a moment in time hear what you have to see and see the light of your son in us and through us, Lord. So have your way in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so glad you could join us for this episode of the Real People, Real God podcast. You can support this podcast by visiting www.valleyviewchapel.net and click on the donate button. Music was by Kevin McLeod. And my name is Tim Howard. Until next time, may the Spirit of God continue to teach you His ways. Thank you.